invite Pastor Lance to come up and join me here. I'm going to get a chance to pray with him before he brings the word for us here this morning. Pastor Lance is our youth pastor, and literally just last week we made an announcement that he and his family are feeling called to plant a church in Rockwell City. And so we have Lance here for a couple more months, and he's going to bring the word for us here this morning. So let me start with prayer and asking God to really prepare our hearts to receive from the word. So you still out of breath? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Father, you speak to us through your word. You guide us in this life. Father, we ask for your anointing upon this time that you'd settle our hearts, settle this place. Father, that you would speak powerfully through Pastor Lance. We thank you for his ministry here and also the things you're placing on he and Miranda's heart. But right now, we want to focus in on the word. So the things that you've prepared for him to share, Lord, may they flow from him freely. And may we all receive this and ask, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do with this word? We thank you for this time. We ask your blessing now. We also pray for a blessing upon the children's ministry as they interact with one another and your word as well. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Had a little feedback there, got a little scared. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, like Russell said, I'm Pastor Lance, and it is an honor and privilege to be with you guys once again today to share the Word. And today, as we, we look at the accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, um, we're going to be here for a while, so I hope you don't have anything in the smoker or in the oven, and if you do, you might want to call someone to go over and turn it off. Because we are going to look at all four accounts And in the four accounts, we're going to look at Palm Sunday and Jesus coming into Jerusalem. Now, if you've been around the church for any amount of time, you've probably heard a message like this before. And chances are, you're probably going to know the story. So today, as we greet it, I just hope and I pray that God speaks to you in a different way today through this message. So will you open up your Bibles with me today? We're going to start in Matthew chapter 21. And as we do, we're, going to, we're coming off of Jesus helping people understand who he was. Matthew 21, we pick it up after Jesus has already raised Lazarus from the dead. And if you're not familiar with that story, we'll touch on that in a little bit here. But as we pick apart these four accounts, we're going to start by reading the whole account of Matthew. So Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11 says, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. 
Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. Oh, I remember that word, to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowd that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Now for me, I'm a... So we can see the celebration. And as the kids walked in, some of us giggled and laughed and were excited to see the kids waving the palm branches and when they go the wrong way, it's funny. And the celebration and the joy in watching Jesus come. And I think it's interesting, the one guy said, a prophet on a donkey? Like, that to me is always funny when I was watching that. I was like, on a donkey. And you see, we pull this out here in a minute that Jesus rode in on a donkey for a number of reasons. But before I get ahead of myself, I want us to know where he was coming from and the importance of it. See, because in Scripture, when they give names of towns and villages, typically it's very important. So in looking through this and in studying this week, I came to see that Jesus, when he was entering, would have entered on the east side. It would have been on the Mount of Olives where he would have stopped later and prayed. But in the Mount of Olives, it's on the east side of the town. It overlooks the whole city. But more importantly, it overlooks the courtyard of the temple. So Jesus, overlooking the courtyard of the temple, and as he's coming in, we see that this marks the end of the road from Jericho and the entry into Jerusalem. This shows us that Jesus is concluding his ministry, but yet he's starting the end of his life here on earth. This week coming up marks Holy Week. And if you're not familiar with that, this is the final week of Jesus' life here on earth in the flesh. And it's an important week as Christians because as we'll see next week, when he rises from the dead to save us from our sins, this is the start of the end, but yet it's also about to start a whole new ministry that Jesus is about to have. So it's important for us to remember that today that he's ending his fleshly ministry this coming week, but yet he still lives and his ministry continues on. Now we also see here in the passage that he sent two disciples. Now we don't know who they were, but imagine me those two disciples being told, okay, Paul, go get me a donkey and her colt, and when you come to it, you'll find it, and you'll just know it is that. Kind of vague. And now imagine being the person who's sitting there watching this happen. Jesus most likely chose them by name. He most likely chose them by name knowing that those were the people that he needed to send away. Now he tells them, if anyone questions you, tell them that the Lord needs it. Now I'm not a farmer, I've made that very clear over the years. 
And, um, but if someone came and said, hey, I need your dog, it'd be kind of like, what? Or if we looked out and someone was just unhooking our dog to take him, it'd be like, what are you doing? And now, in this chapter, in this chapter we see that it doesn't tell us anything if they ever were encountered. But, if you flip over, flip over to Mark, and in Mark it says that a bystander asked them why they were taking the donkey. A bystander. So Mark doesn't know who it was, he says a bystander. But in Luke, Luke actually pulls out that it was the owner who questioned them. And as he questioned them, they said, the Lord needs it. And what happened? The guy let them go. No further questioning, no th- nothing asked. They just went. Now I also want to point out that there was two donkeys. A donkey and her colt. Now, why would that be? Well, it's because the donkey is the mother and the colt is the baby. And chances are the, the baby wouldn't have wanted to leave the mother. And the reason here, Jesus actually wrote on the colt of the donkey because it had to be unridden, unbroken. had to be, if you will, perfect. No one else has touched it. No one else has ridden it. No one else has used it. So Jesus riding in, chances are the other donkey would have been ahead of it, the mother leading that colt down the road. Now we see Matthew pulls out Zechariah 9.9 where he says, See, or say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, on a, on a colt, the fall of a donkey. Now Russell, I believe you pointed out in your midweek, or maybe it was just a conversation we had, that typically when people rode on horses, it would be the, the general, the most important person was on the highest horse. So now you have Jesus coming in on donkey. And Jesus was riding on donkey, and I find it interesting because that's not how kings ride into battle. That's not how kings come in to the courtyard. That's not how kings enter. They're on this high horse, esteemed. Look at me, look how awesome I am. But in studying, a commentary pulled this out, and it said that in 1 Kings chapter 1, we see that King Solomon was seated on King David's mule. In 2 Samuel 18, we see Absalom was riding a mule when his hair got caught. Now these men were in the line of King David, and they had a place to the throne. So Jesus coming riding on a donkey would have reminded the people, or would have shown the people, that he is a son of David, and that he is a king. So often we just say, oh, he's a donkey because it's gentle, it's a workhorse, or it's just something that's not a horse, and he's not coming for war, he's coming with peace. But there's so much more to that. Now Matthew says something that I feel like we often miss or don't, Understand, he says that Jesus was seated on the donkey, or he sat on the donkey. He wasn't riding it, but he was seated on it. So when kings rode into battle, or when the warriors would go in, they would sit and they would straddle the horse and go in. But when a king would come, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't straddle the horse, he would actually sit with his feet off to one side, kind of majestically of like, hey, look at me. And that's how Jesus was. He was seated on it like a king. That's why in the video I love when the guy said, a prophet on a donkey? 
Like, buddy, you're missing it. He's more than just a prophet. He is the king of all. Now flip over with me to Luke chapter 19. Some of you guys may be there already. And in Luke 19, we're going to look at verses 36 and 40 real quick. 36 and 40 said, As he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When they reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked around, praising God for the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest of heavens. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like this. He replied, If they keep quiet, the stones on the road will burst into cheers. I think that's important because the people here were, Blessed is He, the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest of heavens. And I can't help but to wonder if they really understood what they were saying. Or if they thought that Jesus was coming to free them from some oppression that was going on, but in reality, Jesus came to free them from what? From their sins. To then die on the cross later to free everybody from their sins. And Jesus, in riding on this donkey, and the people not realizing who He truly was, the power in that. And I find myself there so often. I find myself there saying, okay, blessed is is Jesus who comes in the name of the Lord. And I'm praising Him when things go well. But when things are hard, it can be, okay, where are you, God? Why can't I hear you? How come you're not speaking? I don't think I'm alone in that. See, these people thought He was coming to free them from something, but He really was coming to free them from something else. I ask you, what sins may be holding you down that you need freedom from? That you need God to help you with? Let's look at John's account, and in John chapter 12, John chapter 12, verses 12 and 13, it says this, The next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. They shouted, praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the King of Israel. I find it important that they laid their cloaks down for Jesus and the donkey to ride over. Now the palm branches that we have here, which thank you for leaving these up here. The palm branches would have been something that they've used in celebrations in the past. We see that the Feast of the Tabernacles in Leviticus 23, that palm branches were waved and celebrated, and it was a tool that they used to show the freedom from jubilation and that they they would have. They would celebrate with the palm branches. So it perhaps could have been a standard prop for expressing the jubilation of various sorts. This may have been a standard that people would use as people would come into the city, is waving them and shouting. 
And the palm branches, I think, are important, and so often we miss the importance of them. And I think it's awesome to see how it's not just that, oh, yeah, I'll grab this branch, but there was importance about them, that they have been used past in the Bible as well. I want us to park real quick and, and think about what's going on in our world that we need Jesus to free us from. What's going on in our lives that we need to praise God for? You see, so often we miss and we focus on the issues that are going on. We focus on the world and not on Jesus. And like Russell said, for my family and I, we're, we're walking in this going, okay, God, we don't know a whole lot of things right now. But God, we know that you've called us to do something, so we're going to do it. And we're going to praise you even when it's hard, and we're going to praise you even when it's easy. We're going to praise you in the unknown, and we're going to praise you in the known. And I think in our world, there's a lot of unknown right now. I know Russell and I have had conversations about what's going to happen to the church when bills get passed. When this president does certain things, what's going to happen to the church? And church, I'm here to tell you that what happens to the church lies in your hands. The church is more than a building. The church is the people. As I look out today, I see empty pews and I see empty seats. And I can't help but to wonder what it would look like if the church was actually the church. If the church went out and preached the gospel. If the church went out in their communities. And if the church went out and in their workplaces actually started preaching the word and praying for people. I'm just as guilty as that. I'll go to the gas station 6.30 in the morning, 7 in the morning. And I feel God prompt me pray for her. Pray for the gas station attendant. God, it's 7 in the morning. Come on, man. I'm just trying to get my, my food. I want to go to the office. I'm like, now? I don't know if my breath is even good right now. I brush my teeth, but I don't know. Did the toothpaste work? I still have to sleep. Like, I find myself in there so often going, now? And God says, now. When I call you, you have to move. When the disciples were told, go find a donkey, they didn't question it. All right, here we go. Like, they just went. And as a church, if we don't rise up and if we don't go to where the Lord's calling us to go and do what He's calling us to do in the time that He's calling us to do it, I wonder if 50 years from now, this will just be an empty building. Because the government will take over. I don't believe that. But I can see that many Christians are wavering in their faith. I can see that many Christians aren't standing on the Word of God and, and saying, this is the true, inspired Word of God. Church, we have to stand on this and we have to hold people accountable to this standard. No longer the worldly standard. I'm tired of walking in communities and seeing people who I know have been following Christ as students and they go off to college and we see them come back and they're no longer following Him. Church, I ask, what are we going to do? I look around these empty seats and I say, let's fill them. We may be gone, but I know the Lord has a plan for this church. I know He wants to see this church, dare I say it, go to three services. Come on. Dare, I, 
I've said it before, 10% of the surrounding communities equals 2,000 people in this church. 10%. 10%. And you tell me this is a small church. Guys, this isn't a small church. This is a Bible-believing church that has a big God leading it. And we claim true to that and we hold on to that and we say, God, may your will be done. Like Jesus says later on this week, may your will be done, Father, not my own. You'll see these pews be filled up. So let's start living it. Let's start doing it. Let's start praising God and cheering. Flip with me to Luke's account. Or I'm sorry. Not Luke's. We're in John. I lost my place in my notes. Forgive me. John 16, or John, wow. Look at verses 16 and 19 here in John chapter 12. His disciples didn't understand at the time that this was a fulfillment of the prophecy, but after Jesus entered into his glory, they remembered what had happened and realized that these things had been written about him. Many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, and they were telling others about it. This was the reason so many went out to meet him, because they had heard about the miraculous signs. When the and then the Pharisees said to each other, There's nothing we can do. Look, everyone has gone after him. Because of the signs that they were told about, they followed Jesus. Church, you may say, I've never seen God do a miracle. Really? What is this? Scripture tells us that they couldn't even write down all the signs and wonders that Christ did. You may have not seen with your own eyes, but man, you can read about it. This isn't just a book of stories. This is a book about a man's life who died to free you from your sins, who rose from the grave to conquer death and sin and anything of this world. But you've never seen a miracle? How about you crack your Bible and you start reading it? Because I'm here to tell you there are miracles in here. I'm here to tell you God's done miracles in our lives. And I'm looking at one right there. You ever want to see a miracle? Look at your kids. The miracle of life is in those kids. You want to see a miracle? Watch your kids grow. Watch their faith. Don't tell me God isn't at work in this church. This church is flooded with kids. And that's a miracle. Because there are churches that would give anything to have kids. Russell, I blame you for my crying. (laughs) You got me all emotional this morning. The people who walked with Jesus, they didn't know what was happening. And it tells us that His disciples didn't understand 
that was to fulfill a prophecy, but after he had entered into his glory, they remembered what had happened and they realized all that was written about him. Do you remember what's written about him? As we celebrate Palm Sunday, we celebrate Jesus coming into Jerusalem, but it's also a celebration of what's yet to come. And as next week approaches, and as Russ shares the message next week, guys, let's take let's take next week, and let's be let's take this week, and remember what Christ has done for us, and share about it. The people came to meet him because of what others had shared. And the Pharisees said, look, everyone has gone after him. Could they say that about Northwest Iowa? If those Pharisees were around today, could they say, look, all of Northwest Iowa has gone after Jesus. You want to talk about revival? Spiritual awakening? Right there, there it is. So let's get it. Let's chase after God wholeheartedly and focus on what he's doing. Jesus came to free us of our sins. And he came to give us hope for a future. In a minute here, I'm going to open up and just give you guys a chance to respond to that. If you don't know this Jesus that we've been talking about, if you don't know this God, if you don't have Him living in your life, there's a harsh reality that you are separated from Him. And you will be for all of eternity. As Faith Community Church, and as a pastor on staff here, I don't want anybody to walk out of these doors not knowing where they stand with the Lord. I want you to know that Jesus loves you and He cares for you. And that God cared for you so much that He sent His Son to die for you. But it is only in you asking Him into your heart that you will have that freedom to where you can walk for all of eternity with this man named Jesus. The greatest man to ever live. So as we close to pray, There'll be a time where you can ask him into your heart, and I pray that if the Lord is asking you to do that, that you do that today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for how you're at work. Well, I thank you for your word, and Jesus, I thank you for coming to die for us. Jesus, I pray that as we remember this week and the last week of your life here on this earth, that, Father, we never lose sight of what you're doing. And Lord, I pray that for us that are believers and that have accepted you into our hearts, that Lord, we go out and we proclaim your good news and your, your word to the people, that we tell them, Lord, this world about who you are. And Lord, if there's anyone in this room or anyone watching online that does not know you, Father, right now I ask, I ask for them to repeat this after me in their hearts. For Scripture tells us that if we acknowledge it, if we acknowledge it and if we believe it in our hearts, and if we say that Jesus is Lord, that then we will inherit the kingdom. So if that's you today, repeat after me. Father, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm in need of your saving. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me. 
Wash me white as snow. Jesus, come into my life to live inside of me. Jesus, I want to be in eternity with you. So Jesus, I acknowledge that you are Lord of my life and of this world. Holy Spirit, fill me up and guide me. Lord, we thank you for how you're at work. And God, thank you for the people in this room and and watching online. May you continue to bless us and keep us. May you continue to make your faith shine upon us. Lord, as we worship you, let us worship you like they did when you entered into Jerusalem. With hands waving and, Lord, just hearts abandoned for you. Thank you, Father. In your name we pray. Amen.